1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. The gap at the top of the table remains at six points with Celtic and Rangers both winning yesterday. Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts and Motherwell also pick up vital victories before the winter break and the SPFL respond to complaints about postponement requests being rejected. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight, Alex Ray and Hugh Keevans. Uh, The Premiership has now gone into hibernation but it went out on a high note. 19 goals in yesterday's matches scored by 16 different players. And outstanding displays by the likes of Lee Labada, Alfredo Morelos and Motherwell's Kevin Van Veen The sound of silence in the stands unfortunately Unless you count the people at Fair Park who were booing Tony Watt's name when the subs were read out But let's hope we come out of hibernation with cues at the turnstiles Alec Yeah it was a good weekend Hugh uh, Celtic back to winning ways They canter to a 3-1 win over struggling St Johnson Van Veen at the double As he gave the mighty well all three points With a win over Livingston Hearts good form continues as they take care of Ross County Back to back wins with uh, Sean Maloney's Hibs And four wins in the last five for Aberdeen As they see off uh, that old form that they were having And Rangers stroll to a 2-1 win Six point lead at the top of the SPFL, Andrew Yeah, loads of goals, loads of action yesterday And of course those were the final fixtures Before we go into the winter break So if you've got any thoughts about the games yesterday About the winter break About what you think your team have done In the first half of the season What you'd like to see them do in January All you need to do is give us a call 01419511025 Or you can send us a tweet At Clyde SSB Now it wouldn't be Monday without the Monday Awards Of course the final Monday Awards of the season as well I feel, I mean you could have dressed up a bit smarter for it Alex I was expecting a tuxedo or something like that for the final awards of the as we know you're in trouble when you're getting uh, sticky a few for gear by <laughs> Johnny Cash behind that desk sir. as I say Monday awards final ones of the year so result goal howler of the weekend we'll start with Hugh your result of the weekend I'm going for Annan Athletic 5 Kilty Hearts 1 Kilty Hearts top of League 2 undefeated this season until they met Annan. Five goals for Annan. I'm glad about that because they're playing Clyde Bank in the Scottish Cup in three weeks' time. I want them to have used up all their goals long before they get here. Yeah, that was a big one. That was one of those ones that yeah. I had to sort of do a double take when I saw it pop up on Twitter that it was the, the final yeah. score, especially because it was an earlier kickoff as well. I thought when I saw it, oh, that must be a sort of youth yeah. game or something like that. But a huge win for Annan. What about yourself, Alex? I'm going to go for uh, our broth. Uh, Dick Campbell uh, 3-0 three, three winners uh, Versus Dunfermline Top of the table With three points An incredible story For a part-time team Continues to do Miracle works up there Our broth In the Premiership It's, it's quite a Quite a thought isn't it Hugh? I hope you enjoy it Andrew when you're up there <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll try and send Someone else to that I'll see um, I've actually never Been up there But I've, I've just heard oh, The stories oh, oh. of the Of the wind And the, the cold um, yeah, And listen You believe Every word of those stories Because Every word is true Oh well, I got a new a new winter jacket for my Christmas, so that might come in handy next season if uh, if our both get promoted. Goal of the weekend. There's a, a good few contenders yeah. for this one. Yeah, well, I'm giving it to Lee Griffiths for the Dundee goal scored in the two-one defeat to Aberdeen. Lee looks as if he hasn't gone anywhere near the salad bowl for quite some time, but <laughs> it was quite a strike. Yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable. It's, I I'd heard it first of all in the in the radio talking about a Lee Griffiths free yeah. kick, and in my head I had you know 
the ones against England where sure. he sort of curled them in but I was shocked when I saw it because it was a straight run up from yeah. a distance just absolutely rifled it yeah it was a brilliant one and uh, I would have given uh, Lee as well he hasn't scored a lot recently but I'm going to go for Declan Glass uh, the young boy oh, yes. you know what a tremendous run he beat four players and then rifles it into the postage stamp for me that was a goal of the weekend yeah there was a few as well I saw Kerr McEnroy for Airdrie scored yes. a, a really Pile nice driver. one yep. even all the way from India as well Greg Stewart did you see that free kick yeah, in off the, the inside of the post that was good loads of good contenders for this maybe not as many contenders for Howler of the Weekend no, here no but yeah, I know we'll get round to the subject later in the programme Andrew and you read out in your headlines that the SPFL have issued a statement uh, concerning Managers like James McPake of Dundee Who were critical of the decision to have that game go ahead I think James McPake was correct It shouldn't have gone ahead Given Dundee's problems However, what I have to say to each and every club The time to have spoken out about the Covid protocols Was when they were put to you at the start of the season Once again, we've gone in after the horses bolted yeah, we'll certainly get our teeth into that sure. one later. Alex, how long of the weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go for the the referee up at um, Tannadice. I think it was Willie Collum, his assistant for the, the first goal. Nisbet, he was all you get one guy in the goal line, you need two players. It was clearly offside. So uh, another howler. There you go, the final monthly awards of 2021 And I'm sure a lot more to come next year as well And we want to hear from you as well 01419511025 Any thoughts on yesterday's action Just give us a shout and we'll get you on air Let's hear from some of the managers Speaking yesterday after the games We'll start with, you know what, we'll start with Rangers I suppose that was the, the game you got less talking time uh, About it out of the uh, Celtic and Rangers games yesterday On yesterday's show Let's start and hear what uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst had to say about their display well the afternoon we wanted because we wanted the win we knew um, that uh, St Mirror would uh, give us a, a hard game they showed today uh, we were very compa- compact we didn't have any uh, our spaces were limited today but I think the players did well you know especially uh, the first half we, we scored twice and uh, second half we uh, we had the right intentions to uh, score even more but you know we created some good chances but you know, we hit the post once and some uh, some chances we didn't convert into goals. But I was overall pleased with uh, the intention of uh, of play and, uh, of course, with the three points because that's the most important thing. Our passing game was, was really good today and uh, you could see the spaces were opening up in the second half. They adjusted a little bit their, uh, their uh, formation defensively, so which we had even more space to create chances but uh, in the end you want to have the three points of course with as many goals as possible but uh, I think I was very pleased with the way they uh, performed on the pitch Yeah, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst can't really have too much to complain about yesterday Alex or really about anything that's happened since he came in It's been a seamless transition you know you're never quite sure what you're going to get from a a new manager coming new ideas uh, Without doubt the players have got a lift They've got a bounce Which you, you'd be looking for I think that's seven uh, league wins on the bounce For Gio I think is one goal conceded I think the only criticism of yesterday's performance Was that they weren't as clinical as they possibly could have been I think you know when you look at the Middle to, to front They were really impressive at times Their rotation The players are on the front foot And clearly this break has come at the wrong time for them Because it's a team that's very much on the front foot yeah, Hugh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has said himself that, that they could have scored more in a few other games but that doesn't tend to matter as much when you're no. not conceding at the other end Exactly, and uh, 
I don't think Rangers will lose a game between now and the end of the season in the Premiership. Uh, I'm not saying they'll win every game. I repeat, I'm not saying they will win every game, but I don't see Rangers losing a game between now and the end of the season. They don't concede goals. Uh, They are formidable under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, and I don't think that because you take a three-week circuit breaker that that means there's a, a danger of Rangers coming back out of that uh, looking as vulnerable as they occasionally looked before Steven Gerrard left. Well, we want to hear from you at home. 01419511025. Charlie is up first. He's a Rangers fan from Airdrie. Charlie, what did you make of the performance yesterday? Well, I couldn't see because I, obviously I couldn't get to the game, you know, but um, well, it sounded like they'd done well and it was a, the team were playing was uh, under strength. By the end of the day, we got the three points, you know. So that that was all right, you know. But the thing is, uh, what we're going to talk about was um, <clears throat> when Gerard was there. Um, by the way, uh, I'm not going to hear you know, but I wasn't too happy about he done and walked away, you know, the rest of it. But I'm not going to do that road. But the thing is, um, when Gerard was there, I don't think he would be Morales. Uh, I come on when the uh, deal took her. And I turned around and said that um, you would see the real Morelos now. And uh, I was I was sitting, uh, listening to your show, and my, uh, I came on the trailer, your show, saying these words that Morelos would be show what kind of player he was when he first came there. And it all came true. Uh, and looking at him now, you can see the difference in his fitness. He, 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 when he was playing with he, Gerard, when you were sitting watching it, you were like, "Where's, where's, where's, where is he?" He's a wee down the other side of the park. He's meant to be uh, up in the goals, and uh, he was just running about like headless chicken. But on, on, in the right, on the right places, he shouldn't have been with Gerard. And uh, I think there's been a miraculous uh, change to him. He looks happier and. Uh, I believe it. You're just going from strength to strength. Another one, I, I, I'm not too sure. We'll take that point first, Charlie, and I'll, I'll put that to Alex. Obviously, Alex Alfredo Morelos has, has been in the goals. I think he's played eight of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's games so far. He scored six, six goals. Yeah. What What have you seen are the biggest differences in Alfredo Morelos, sort of in the earlier parts of this season, and since Van Bronckhorst came in? Well, obviously, he's scored more goals, Andrew. You just mentioned there six goals in eight games um, under Giovanni. He seems to be playing more. Have a central role But more higher up the pitch Because of the shape uh, It suits him better Because he's playing more Closer to the goal Which is the result In these goals He seems to be in a good place uh, I said yesterday I felt as if he was People say about his fitness And things For me it's when it's A mental side of things Sometimes you see him Skulking about And things And uh, Charlie says there Under Stephen Gerrard You know Obviously at the start of the season He wasn't flying But you know I think when you go back A couple of years ago He scored 29 goals So you know Clearly uh, uh, In spells uh, Steven Gerrard managed to get him firing on all cylinders and, and he's very much back to where you want him to be he's running power he's bringing people into play and if he'd have been more clinical yes he could quite easily have scored three or four When new managers come in players have the words job security at the back of their minds you have to impress the new guy because he wasn't there when you were formerly scoring lots of goals he only got here now when your previous manager Steven Gerrard was telling Alfredo Morelos that his goal to game ratio wasn't good enough 
So Morelos had to give himself a shake I said that Lee Griffiths hadn't gone anywhere near the salad bowl Alfredo Morelos looks as if he has gone to the salad bowl now Or gone back to the salad bowl He looks a sharper, fitter, leaner, hungrier, better player And the six goals in eight games under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst Say it all Do you want to come back in Charlie? That's what I said at the beginning when the, when the Gio took care you know, because I do, I do think there were some underlying things happening there between him and uh, Gerard. Um So uh, it's good to see him back playing and doing what he's supposed to do and I get a big smile on his face again, you know. And they were talking about, uh, she was saying that uh, Morelis had to wait and he sell up. Morelis, I believe Morelis is no one of kind of players. Morelis would do what he wanted to do. He, he would just say, sell up. I'm not playing in the story. I think the thing is, as I say, cause this, since Gio's come in, he's been the big change. And uh, I believe there may be an interpreter there somewhere in the line, and maybe he's getting there, uh, getting talked to a wee bit better. Some of his own comrades, his own country, and that, you know what I mean? So uh, it's good to see him playing the way he's playing, and uh, I'm just waiting, dying to get back to this football again. You're overthinking it, Charlie. You know, it's quite simple. Alfredo Morelos wasn't doing enough for the team And Steven Gerrard decided to go public And tell everybody that he thought Morelos wasn't doing enough for the team So when Gerrard left And Van Bronckhurst, a man of calibre, came in uh, Van Bronckhurst got the best out of Morelos Because Morelos was willing to go down the road with him Morelos had to do more for himself and for the team And now he's doing just that Alex, I think it's fair to say that Alfredo Morelos is a, a complex character. Steven Gerrard said himself that I think he spent more time dealing with Alfredo Morelos than he did with the rest of the squad yeah. combined. But whatever the relationship between Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and Alfredo Morelos is, yeah. Van Bronckhorst seems to have the key at the moment that's unlocking his potential. Yeah, he seems to be in a good moment, Andrew. You look at the, the team in general, you know, not conceding goals or scoring for fun. Uh, and when you're doing that and you're part of that as a player uh, and listen I've been in good streaks myself when I've, when I've scored uh, a few weeks in the bounce the confidence you get from that is just incredible you know and it allows you going on to that pitch every week thinking regardless who I'm up against I'm going to uh, get the better of them and then I'm also going to add numbers and I think that's uh, the case for a lot of people there's been a lot of freshness around about it you know the Scott Wrights coming to the fore as well seems to be getting a little bit more game time Ryan Kent starting to come back to his best and in, in my opinion Joe Aribo's one of the standout players in Scotland this year and he's such a big player alongside Kamara kind of pulling the strings for there so I just think the balance that Rangers have at the moment it would be brilliant to play in a team like that and everybody's on the front foot Charlie, the winter break is now upon us The January transfer window's close Is there anything in particular you want to see Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and Rangers do over that time? No really, just keep winning <laughs> But I would like to see him play in Sakala a wee bit more Because uh, I, I, I rate that wee guy he, He's just He loves playing for Rangers And that big smile on his face and that. But I, I can't understand how he doesn't Give him more game time, you know uh, Alex, in a, in a game like yesterday yeah. Scott Wright was favoured to fashion Sakala Do you think the logic behind that is Maybe Scott Wright is, is more polished When it comes to the, the kind of build-up play Having to come up against a low block And try and sort of unpick that Whereas Sakala, you know, possibly away from home If, if Rangers are looking to hit on the counter yeah. He's got that kind of raw pace that, that he's able to 
to burst with the, uh, For me yesterday The reason why he went with Scott Wright Was the impact he had against Dundee United Because what he did do He got the, the United uh, backline stretched He was very direct He was very positive And he, and he got uh, I quite like this about uh, Giovanni If you do well when you come on Then you've got a possibility Of starting the following game Now that's uh, two and four For Scott Wright You know you don't often see him uh, Towering above uh, defenders at the back post There's a hunger and desire there So clearly Giovanni's seen that Sakala's still You have to remember He's still new To the Scottish game He has made big contributions Whilst come off the bench He's had a hat trick For Rangers So I think The fact that he has All this firepower At his disposal Is really encouraging For uh, Van Bronckhorst The positive there Hugh Is that the fact that There is those options Giovanni Van Bronckhorst Is able to, to Turn to his bench And there's guys yeah. there that, that are scoring goals Are able to, to Come off and make an impact I don't think Rangers uh, Need to bring in Anyone In the January transfer window I think the squad they have Assuming that they are true to their word and nobody's leaving, then I think the squad they have is is good enough to take them to where they want to be at the end of the season. We've said this a lot about Rangers over the past few transfer windows, Alex. That it's the most important thing keeping a hold of their top players, and then sort of added to that now tying down players to to contracts because yeah. Connor Goldson is is in the final six months or so of his contract. You've then got players who are entering the last 18 months of their contract yeah. and that becomes quite a precarious situation as well. I'm sure there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, Andrew. You're absolutely right about Conor Goldson. I'd love him to, to re-sign. I think for me, he's very steady at this level. You know, he's very commanding. His range of passing really plays into the way Rangers want to play as well. When things are getting bogged down, he can hit a big raking diagonal. Uh, and then the players are playing off that big late runs uh, into the opposition box. So I, I would like him to re-sign. Uh, you, you, I think you mentioned a couple of players there. You've got Ryan Kent, Morelos, Aribo, all going into the last 18 months. I'm absolutely certain that the Rangers will be working behind the scenes to try and extend that. And then if that doesn't happen at some stage, either in January or in the summer, then you have to cash in on these guys. Well, thank you to Charlie 01419511025 if you want to get in touch after the break. We'll be looking at Celtic's win against St Johnson. We'll be hearing what Ange Postacoglu had to say about it. So get in touch 01419511025 and you could be up next. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Alex Ray and Hugh Keevans here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 01419511025 if you want to get in touch or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. We're just about to hear from Ange Postacoglu so Celtic fans what did you make of that game yesterday against St Johnston 0141 Hugh what were your sort of initial thoughts after that game yesterday well given the disruption the team selection uh, which confronted Ange Postacoglu before the game I thought that Celtic's performance was first class uh, Abada looked as lively and sharp uh, as at any other stage in his uh, time at Celtic Park Beaton uh, was a fine standing captain Capped his display with a goal So all in all for Celtic There was nothing wrong with the day For St Johnston Concern grows The winners of two cup competitions last season Now at the bottom of the table And apparently with very little appetite for the fight Yeah Alex I think there may have been a bit of concern from Celtic fans When they saw the starting lineup And saw that they had Covid issues yeah. But Probably would have just been hoping to get three points by any means necessary, but it was a game they just dominated. Yeah, it was finished within the opening 20 minutes. Uh, you know, Abada through the middle. Uh, it worked to treat his movement. He could actually have scored a, a few more goals. Uh, I mentioned Aribo is one of the standout players. Tom Rogic is very much up there as well. You know, you look at the way 
He's performing He is coasting through games He's having big contributions uh, And his general all-round play is excellent And he is terrorising And I agree with you um, St Johnson are in, are in trouble Andrew Unless they can get some bodies through the door Get some sort of uh, life into the dressing room Because they look Last year they were very much rigid Solid Hard to beat And at the moment that's eight defeats in the bounce And it, you know, as well as he did last year, that there must be kind of concerns upstairs in the boardroom. Well, let's hear what Ange Postacoglu had to say. Really good first half, excellent first half. I thought in challenging conditions, obviously, you know, the, the pitch made it difficult for us to play a little bit. And um, you know, St Johnson were desperate for points today, even though they haven't been in great form. So we knew we had to start well. I thought we did. I thought first 45 were excellent. Um, scored a couple of good goals. Probably could have had a couple more. Second half got a bit scrappy at times, but we still created good opportunities for ourselves. So overall, really happy with the players' uh, attitude, their commitment. Um, yeah, it's been a challenging week, obviously, and uh, great to get the job done. All along, we haven't made excuses. We haven't uh, felt sorry for ourselves. And, you know, we just got on with the job, and every challenge we've had, <coughs> for the most part, we've overcome. And I think it's just testament to the character within the group. Um, so, yeah, it was a challenging week, but like I said, we've had... A lot of challenging weeks, a lot of challenging games and, and to the players' credit, they've, they've hung in there. Hugh, I think it's fair to say that Leila Bada has sort of blown hot and cold uh-huh. at times this season but his, his output in terms of goals and assists has been has been quite impressive for a, a young player coming into a foreign league for yeah. the first time but he, he seemed to sort of really step up yesterday against St Johnson, scored a couple and, and really could have scored more as well. He's gone into double figures now for the season for Celtic. He's got 10 goals He's young, I think he's 20 now, uh, but he has come to a, a different country, different uh, culture, different style of football, and he has adapted. I agree with you. He has blown hot and cold on occasion. But yesterday, when Furuhashi had to go off, uh, he took on the mantle of going through the middle, and he was very good and lively. And, uh, you know, he, he might possibly have had more goals. Young Joey Dawson come on He might have had a goal But for a goal line clearance So You know I understand it was a A fairly average game On a very average pitch I don't know why McDermott Park Looks in the state it's in But For Ange Postacoglu There's absolutely nothing wrong With a 3-1 win away from home I have to say Andrew uh, You know You talk about a bad You know Listen a young guy Coming to a new league uh, You're not quite sure How he's going to settle down To get 10 goals at the halfway stage is really impressive Now On these stats Potentially he could kick on And maybe get about 15-20 goals In his, in his first season I think that would be A terrific return For someone so young St Johnson were Almost kind of playing Into Celtic's hands At times When they had that pace Of Abada Through the middle You kind of wondered Why it was It was such a high line At times You looked at the Success St Mirren had By just playing that low block Sitting deep Getting Celtic To put the ball out wide And, and fire it into the box But St Johnson Went for something different And yeah. it really didn't work Did it? I have to say the, the opening goal was Kind of typical Of what you're seeing With St Johnson at the moment You've got the left centre back Of a three Trying to play a giving goal with a left back, it gets intercepted. It's just a ball around the face, and it's a simple finish uh, for a bad. All being, you know, you get a little bit fortunate coming off his arm. Uh, I think if you've got VAR, that would be chalked off. But you know, the actual mechanics behind uh, the way St Johnson's going to go, trying to play out the back, they're getting their pockets picked against a team like Celtic, and uh, they just look to really struggling. You look at the third goal as well. You're trying to help it up the line. You get no clearance, no distance. And it's that kind of stuff that Callum uh, Davison will be f- so frustrated with. It's basic football, and we are against players of this caliber, you can't do it. You get you get punished. Another player that stepped up yesterday, 
near Beaton Hugh a, yeah. a really nice finish for his goal a guy that's been at the club for for so long but kind of fades in and out the team he's, oh. he's used as a sort of utility man at times you see him at centre back you see him at centre mid but he, he sort of stepped up as the, the leader of that team yesterday well you know he may have flitted in and out the team but he must need two trophy cabinets in the house because he's won that much as a Celtic player and uh, yesterday Ange Postacoglu needed guys to come to the fore because he lost a lot of players and uh, that, that kind of disruption another day might have told on you but Celtic came and got the job done in a very efficient fashion 01419511025 if you want to get involved Thomas is a Celtic fan in East Kilbride Thomas of the Celtic game yesterday well I think Celtic played absolutely well uh, but after the game Ange made a, a perfect point about uh, no support has been at the at the game to bring on the team and that, I mean that with the rest of the Scottish teams just uh, the supporters bring on the give the Celtic give the the Scottish players a boost was there any supporters yeah I mean none of us want to go back to empty grounds or I mean 500 is as good as empty uh, and Ange Postacoglu is someone who is very keen on people understanding that the essence of the game is about people and their rapport with the players and the, the players' rapport back again with the supporters. And Ange Postacoglu himself didn't get the maximum enjoyment out of yesterday's game, even though his team won 3-1 and handled themselves very well after selection disruption. So, yeah, every one of his hopes that when this circuit breaker is over, if we can't get capacity into the stadiums can we at least get more than 500 can we get something that resembles a crowd that's the hope right now yeah Alex I covered plenty of games last season when there were no crowds in and it was something that I just completely got got used to it was quite sad but I just got used to to being in these empty grounds then I got used to it really quickly again there being full crowds I was working at a game yesterday and it was just really strange being back in that environment yeah listen uh, I think it's fair to say that most uh, right-minded people want fans in the in the ground now. Uh, the management team, the players, the fans are desperate to get back. You know, having sat in, uh, at home for a year, they've been uh, during lockdown. So I, I get all that. I, I just uh, I don't think anybody in their right mind would actually say that it's it's welcome that you would want it behind closed doors. I was at the game yesterday as well. The atmosphere, you're absolutely right. The atmosphere is terrible. Uh, and then there's a bigger picture, and we won't go down that road. But to get 500, if you just take Ibrooks as an example, yesterday that's one percent. Of the capacity Whereas you can go to Stenhouse Muir I've got 2,000 In the ground And I'll have 25% So The actual um, You know Kind of Parameters don't quite stack up for me How this has been thought through And it's obviously The football fraternity Is actually punished For this uh, But you have to adapt to it Because Once this opens back up I don't think Personally I'm not sure what it's going to be like In three weeks time That there's going to be you're going to go from 500 to 50 or 60,000 depending on what ground you're at uh, in Glasgow. I don't think you'll go to there, so I think it's going to be here for the time being to try and build back up to a full house. Yeah, Hugh, the winter break has been brought forward with clubs hoping that oh. by the end of it there will be full crowds back or bigger crowds back, but the problem is we we don't know what Scotland will look like in, no. in three weeks' time. But I go back to the words of the mother of Chief Executive Alan Burroughs who came on the, the programme last week and said... 
Closed doors should be the last resort Not the first option So we've taken a punt Scottish football has taken a punt On the country being in a different place Three weeks from now If it allows us capacity crowds That would be sensational If it allows the government to say Okay you can have 10% of your fan base Inside the ground Or 10% of your ground's capacity Give us some form of encouragement So we have to wait and see where our country is in three weeks time Thomas, looking at matters on the pitch Celtic obviously going into this break in good form The January transfer window coming up What are you hoping to see Ange Postacoglu do? Now getting some more players back in the transfer window uh, See if they can boost the zone a wee bit It's just a, it's just a catch up now Trying to catch, catch up the Rangers that's undoubtedly true. Uh, I mean, my understanding is that the work permits have been done for three Japanese signings. Uh, so there's an immediate injection for Ange Postacoglu. Uh, of course, they are then obliged to hit the ground running. Um, I think the addition of more people inside the grounds would just help lift everyone, Celtic included. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that Thomas has been realistic enough to say it's catch up because. The result in Paisley was a body blow for Celtic. They are six points behind the Rangers side, who for me, do not look as if they're going to lose in the back half of the season. So, when the, the new signings come in for Ange Postacoglu, uh, he will certainly believe that they have the capacity to overcome Rangers. We'll get the games played and see if he's right. I think Celtic will be looking to try and get their players back fit as well. When you look at the the players that are out with hamstring injuries, they'll be looking to try and get them over the next three weeks so they have their, their full quarter alongside the three Japanese guys when they come in. How vital is that for Ange Postacoglu that he gets those players in early? He's talked about the fact that, you know, they've been working really hard to make sure that the deals are done. It looks as if there are deals close, but the fact that the winter break is, is here, yeah. they'll be training throughout that. You're straight into games on the, the 17th of January. If you can have three, four players in the door, I think a couple of weeks of training, that'll be a, a huge boost, won't it? Yeah, you listen to managers speak. It's an opportunity to try and get some time on the training ground. Ideally, you would like to be away somewhere nice and warm, Andrew, but obviously because of the circumstances, that'll probably not happen for any of the teams. And I think they come back on the 5th of January. Most teams are starting to kind of get the players back in. Between now and then they'll be getting some downtime in their legs due to the amount of games they've played over the previous couple of months, some European games for Rangers and Celtic as well. Uh, so you, you have to contend with all that and, and then get the players back up to the speed. The guys that are coming in the door, the three Japanese guys, it'll be about the style of play that Ange wants to adopt. He's seen some of that in some video footage at start of season. I'm sure he'll kind of refresh all that for the for the new guys coming through though. I know the overexcited believe that Celtic forced through this early uh, break so that they would have a full complement of players by the time they got to play Rangers but of course that's all nonsense uh, 10 of 12 clubs voted for the winter break to begin now and not when it was scheduled to begin so 10 of 12 voted for this but it is to Ange Postacoglu's advantage to have new players in who are able to have some training sessions and work with those that they will be expected to work with when football Competitively Begins again Well thank you to Thomas 01419511025 If you want to get involved There was another 
incident at Celtic Park yesterday we didn't talk about Kyogo came back into the starting lineup. We we knew he had an injury then pulled up early in the first half and, and had to come off here was the update Ange Postacoglu gave after the game Yeah he, he should be okay look he wasn't 100% but he wanted to give it a go today but we said to him look you know if at any stage you feel anything just, just come off um, and um, that's what he felt in the end so uh, again he'll recover and he'll be fine He's going up on the cut mill for the next couple of weeks Oh, just do normal, mate. Well, you know, he just, um, you know, he's ever, he's obviously had a 12 months of football. You know, that's I think um, that was the biggest thing for him. You know, he he didn't start in 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 July, June, July. He started in January last year, so well, this year, sorry. So it was always going to be a time where we, we needed to give him a break anyway. So um, so that'll happen. Was that a risk worth taking, Alex? Well, I think he's just answered his own question. He says he's been playing for 12 months on on the bat there. He's uh, coming back now. It's clearly a recurrence of the hamstring injury that he, they suffered a couple of weeks ago. So for me, it was totally unnecessary. Yeah, obviously paid off in the cup final. Um, but uh, it's obviously paid the price again yesterday because ideally he would have got some downtime now. He's going to have to go in and try and do strengthening work uh, to get his hamstring back up to speed so that he can uh, make an appearance when uh, we resume. Abada did Celtic a favour yesterday by stepping up to the plate and getting his two goals. Uh, but Celtic in the window have to make sure that they move themselves away from this situation whereby if Kyogo is not there, the Celtic supporters aren't sure if Celtic will win the game. They need to have somebody along with Furuhashi uh, so that the loss of one man doesn't look like a pre-match calamity. Can that really hurt a team, Alex, when there is an over-reliance on, on one player in particular for goals at times? If if you've not got anyone behind that is, you know, you would say an adequate replacement, Albion Ayeti, Giacomakis, they, they've had injury problems this season, but they've not exactly been banging in the goals when they have had their chances. The, the problem with Celtic have is there's nobody near this guy's level. You know, this he's come over here and he's really hit the ground running. You talk about his numbers, the way he presses... It, it, it's the trigger point for Celtic when they're playing as well. The way they press teams, they press the life out of uh, defenders, uh, and that was the hence the, the goal we spoke about earlier on. When St Johnson he pressed the centre half, he made a bad decision, and then they get the goal from him. And that is a prime example of what this guy brings to the table: uh, his movement as well in the round the box is just a constant headache for defenders. So the importance of getting him right, going back into the second part of the season is uh, paramount. But they must get reinforcements in that area. Or try and get Yakimakis back up to speed because if they don't have that going into next year, you're always running the risk because that's twice now that he's had uh, hamstring issues, and then you've got a really kind of grueling schedule going into to you know the winter months. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five now is the perfect time to call because you could be up next. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Kevens and Alex Ray here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get involved on the phone lines, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. Let's hear a bit more from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, shall we? Of course, still unbeaten as Rangers manager going into the winter break. Here's uh, what he's made of their run so far. I'm very pleased. Of course, it's the um, you know difficult situation for both of us, for me as a manager coming in at this time of the season. Also for the players to uh, to get a new coach and, and and of course some some coaching staff as well. But I think we did uh, very very well um, just to continue the the work uh, Stephen did uh, with with the players. Adjusted it. A little bit uh, in, uh, in in areas I, I thought we had to change, but uh, I'm very pleased because 
you know, since I came in, you know, we had uh, we had a lot of um, a lot of wins, only one draw, also in Europa League. So, um, you know, I'm very pleased with the with the performances the the players did uh, since my arrival. Alex, I think Giovanni Van Bronckhorst said, like other managers, that the players will be back in on the fifth. So that yeah. gives them a couple of weeks on the training ground. How valuable do you think those couple of weeks will be? Because I think the week leading up to the St Mirren game there was the first full week that yeah. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has had with his players where they've been able to prepare for a game and, and not been playing twice in a week. Yeah, I think it's invaluable, Andrew. You're absolutely right. Because of every two or three days they have played a match, you know, because of the, the midweek games, it's just being preparing for the games. You're doing the analysis, you're doing the pros and cons about the opposition and, and how you're going to expose them. Uh, and I think it's worked a treat so far. But I liked one of the comments he made uh, post-match yesterday as well, where he said that he, there is a lot of room for improvement. You know, because obviously, I think that's w- with this particular group, is it one defeat in 58 league games? I think that's an incredible run, you know, so there's plenty of confidence about the group. And f- if he thinks he can take them forward, which is great, and his staff thinks he can do that as well, improve players, improve the numbers, uh, then it's going to be a really interesting second part of the season for Rangers. Hugh, what does improvement look like for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst based on the fact that he, he's not had a bad start? Oh. Well, you can't improve on flawless and they are undefeated in terms of league football. Uh, so improvement, that means that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is a perfectionist. He's looking for perfection. Um, the rest are hoping that somehow a three-week break from football breaks the spell. And Rangers somehow come back not looking as good under Van Bronckhurst as they have done since they got here. It's a kind of forlorn hope, I think, from this distance. 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. Andy is a Rangers fan in Finiston. Andy, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday? How are you doing, guys? Okay, hi. Um, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a great performance, really comfortable. Just We probably lacked a few more goals, but I'll come. But I thought on their keeper, I mean, he he did some really good saves yesterday. So I, I am delighted. I'm absolutely delighted about yesterday. And just as Alex said, this, this wee time off now, I'll get you no know, Broncos more time to get more things into the way they want, he wants them to play. I, I just things are looking really good in the Rangers. Is it just a case of trying to trying to find that that more clinical edge? I know Van Bronckhorst has said a, a few times post-match that they could have scored more goals, you're not going to score every chance you get, but is it just finding a way to, to convert more of the chances that they're creating? Well, what I do like about the the way that Giovanni is, the rotation with the players is incredible. Um, there's a lot more fluency. They have a lot more width as well. It's, it's, it's going back to the old days where you have the, the wingers are pretty much right on the, the touchline. They are very direct. They can drive in the pitch. And what that allows Tavernier to do as well as to be more inverted uh, and then obviously the delivery for the two guys so when you're putting that amount of ammunition and that amount of shots on target you would like your conversion rate and I think that when he talks about improvement I think it's that part of the, the game as well uh, occasionally they'll pass up one or two opportunities more than he would probably like as well and due to poor finishing so I think that's something also defensively even though they're getting clean sheets you know you're always looking to try and improve that unit as well uh, so I, you know I, I, I just think at the top end of the pitch they can be a lot more clinical because their player was at 76% possession yesterday. Uh, final third entries were really imp- impressive as well, but they have to be more clinical. To a certain extent, we're going round in circles now when we talk about Rangers under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. How many more times can you say, yeah, they're flawless and he's made good players better and better players exceptional, etc., etc.? Uh, you know, 
I thought that Celtic's performance, like Rangers yesterday uh, against St Mirren and St Johnston, uh, the, the the domination was so absolute uh, that it almost took the edge off Celtic and Rangers come the second half. Andy, did you have a, another point for us? Uh, just, uh, I'm delighted with, uh, with Ryan Kent. I, just, I mean, even his work rate, I mean, just, I mean, is he be losing the ball? I mean, he's running back for 40, 50 yards to get that ball back. You know what I mean? This is a thing that's making things a lot better. They're playing, you know, they lose the ball, they get, they get it back. And the only thing, see the boy Bassey, I mean, I like him, but sometimes he's done it every game. He just, for one bad pass, he gives, you know, the ball away cheaply. Uh, so hopefully he'll get that, get that out of his head and Van Brock also saying, well, you need to concentrate for 90 minutes because if we do it against better teams, you know, he's doing the ball away really cheaply in bad areas for us. But apart from that, no, I'm, I'm happy. That point that Andy makes on Calvin Bassey, of course, he's, he's playing in a position that he's not overly familiar with. He's, he's done it at times, but at senior level, he's, yeah. he's not played at centre-back a whole lot. Is, is that just what's going to happen when you've got a young guy who's going into a position, he's sort of thrust in there because Hellander and, and Balogun are injured? Those those wee sort of, whether it's a lapse Moments, of concentration, yeah. is, is going to happen. Well, listen, obviously you try and uh, eradicate that if possible, and he has given it occasionally uh, away, but I've been really impressed with him. This guy's only 21, you know, he... I think Rangers got him for a, a, a snip as well. So, you know, he can, he's come up. The fact he's got the versatility, we know we obviously mentioned Beaton, you can step in at the back and then step in the middle of the park. For me, that versatility, because he's clearly comfortable as a left back. He's uh, been shoehorned in at centre-half. He, he doesn't look out of position. He's very strong. You know, and what the Rangers centre-halves have to do as well now, particularly with teams, you talk about the low block, you know, St Mirren did it against Celtic last week. You need the centre-halves to step past the striker and try and get... Uh, the opposition to come towards you so you can create space from that and and listen I think he's learning all the while and the more he gets uh, game time the better it'll be for him because he'll just grow in stature Hugh you look at um, you know that Stephen Gerrard sometimes had criticism levelled at him for the fact that his midfield was maybe a bit too conservative at uh-huh. times when they came up against teams at Ibrox that can't be said for, for the team that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst put out yesterday no no the, Again, you know, the domination of the game was absolute and, you know, you're at a time of the year when you just want to get the job done, get the points in the bag. Uh, Celtic must be kicking themselves after Paisley and Wednesday night. You know, they went to Perth and they were entirely different. They took their chances when they cropped up. Uh, if Bassey made one mistake uh, against uh, St Mirren yesterday, Starfelt was the same for Celtic. They were have under no stress whatsoever and then Starfelt gave the ball away leading to St Johnston's goal. So Celtic and Rangers by and large are doing everything that's asked of them but you know they are human beings and not machines and uh, Bassey makes mistakes, Starfelt makes mistakes. Andy, I know Rangers wanted the, the winter break to, to stay the way it was but obviously it's it's been changed now. You look at some of the players Rangers have out injured at the moment. Is this... Is that promising to think that the likes of Hellander, Balogun, Ryan Jack, potentially Kemar Roof are, are still to add to this team? Well, that's, uh, I'm just going to say that. I just hope that Balogun and Hellander, definitely I like Hellander. I mean, he can read, he's so good at reading games. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably good in a way, you know, we've got a chance now to get a, we've got a full squad. I mean, even come the, the transfer window, I don't really know. As long as we don't lose any players, I don't see where we can, <laughs> where we can build better. To be honest with you, 
maybe cover for Golson, maybe. I can't take some back, maybe. But apart from that, I have just don't want to lose any players, you know. Is there an obvious place in that Rangers squad, Alex, that, that you feel needs strength and Andy can't really seem to pick one? No, well, he's obviously mentioned uh, Golson gets injured, but you've <coughs> also got uh, Balligan and um, Holander coming back into the mix as well. Whether they bring back uh, Katic, uh, potentially. Don't forget, you've got Simpson there as well. So I think centre-half centre berth is pretty much secured once you get these two guys back or off the treatment table. Uh, and, and as I said, I think, uh, you know, Ryan Jack... Uh, getting back and all would be an added bonus because it just gives the manager another option. So you're looking about to see where they could maybe strengthen. Uh, it's very difficult because they're so comfortable in every position. You know, they've, they've chopped and changed under Stephen, under Gio, uh, and it's been seamless. And then there's that waiting game that, that Rangers, not only Rangers, but Celtic as well, will have you over the winter break of who will be available because we've got these international games. Oh. It looks as if Calvin Bassey isn't going to the African Cup of Nations. He yeah. wasn't in the final 28-man squad, but Joe Rebo will be going. Leon Balligan will be going if, if he's fit enough, I think. Um, around the time of the, the old firm yeah. There's a Columbia international as well Morelos hasn't been in, in recent squads But his form's picked up So there's a chance he could be away as well Celtic have similar issues too Listen, you know You could always try and have the fixture rearranged But I'm not sure you'd get away with that one uh, So Ange Postacoglu and Giovanni Van Bronckhurst Have been very calm about all of this business It's something that fans get tremendously excited about And start Alleging bias This that and the other uh, However When you sign International players Who are required to travel Long distances Like The Nigerians At Ibrox Or uh, Furuhashi Or Tom Rogic At Celtic Park You just have to go on with it I mean the, Unless you get The match to be rescheduled You just Have to get on with it both managers seem pretty relaxed about it so far. Alex Ange Postacoglu and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst both just sort of brushing it off, saying, "Look, these these things happen in football. If if they're away, we'll just have to cope." Yeah, I think the listen. It's such a, a long time away as well, so you don't know where, who's going to be available, who's not going to be available, who's going to be in in January. Is there going to be any bids? So there's no point in getting over excited about something that's going to happen in the second of February, Andrew. I think it's important just to kind of play it down at the moment. Assess the situation when it comes Because the one thing you can say about Rangers and Celtic Is they have massive squads In the grand scale of things in Scottish football They've got plenty of cover As Hugh just touched on it's A lot of them are international class So, you know, there's a lot worse off than Rangers Alex, and Celtic whatever you do, don't get excited <laughs> Don't get excited, Alec <laughs> It's too early, Sean <laughs> Well, thank you to Andy And finish the 01419511025 If you want to get involved Now it's time for this Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish slash football. Time for Beat the Pundit You against either Alex Ray or Hugh Keevans You can test your football knowledge You get the bragging rights And a signed ball if you win as well If you think you have what it takes To beat either of them Give us a call 0141 951 1025 Make sure you give us a call before 7 o'clock And you could be in with a chance of playing Tackle the headlines 0141 951 1025 Clyde 1 Super Scoreboard Hugh Evans and Alex Ray here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second hour of Clyde One Super Scoreboard tonight. We've been talking about some of the Boxing Day games yesterday. Of course, we're going into the winter break now. We'll take a look at, sort of, can you call it a war of words? I'm not really sure. Between Dundee and the SPFL, Dundee boss James McPake certainly not happy with the 
the rules that Sodom have to play the, yesterday with a, a the very, beginning, <laughs> the beginning of a war of worlds. Yeah, the very beginning. I mean, you you looked at their bench yesterday, Hugh. It was uh, yeah. it was quite a sight, wasn't it? Well, you know, we run the risk of having our game descend into farce uh, because these type of decisions to make Dundee play yesterday will impact on the results of matches and when the result of a match is affected by uh, things that are out with the control of the manager then we'll go down a slippery slope Right, that's a that's very serious chat Let's do something a bit fun first Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online thescottishsun.co.uk slash football Time for Beat the Pundit and it's Alan in Kilbarkin that is playing tonight Alan, have you played Beat the Pundit before? Uh, never on the radio, no on, uh, Just listened many times And always think that you can do quite well But this will be the acid test oh, the, This on. is the test, I think it is very different When you when you get Indeed. involved and get on the radio How, how do you normally get on? Do you know, it's, I know it's a bit of a cliche But it just depends whether you know the answers or not There's some nights where I think, oh I would have won that easily And there's other nights where I think, oh dear lord I wouldn't have got any So I, I, I'm kind of hoping I don't disgrace myself That's That That would be good There we go you, You're setting, setting the bar pretty low there Not disgracing yourself But that's alright You know what It's your first time You think Alan you're in good company With me and Chug <laughs> Yeah there we go That's alright Right I'll uh, Let's Let, see let's if you're going to score low Alex Absolutely <laughs> Looking at a nil-nil draw here Right it's going to be uh, Let's see Heads for Alex Ray And tails for Hugh Keevans And it is Heads So that will be Alex Ray oh. Up ah, okay. against good. Alan How's your uh, How's your form, Alex? Horrendous. I think I'm bottom of the tree. So you're on to a winner here, Al. Right, okay. Uh, Alex, that's... you know that that's just putting more pressure in you now. <laughs> okay, well, you're a bit more confident now that you know your opponent, Al? Uh, oh, listen, who knows? I, I was I was saying earlier on to the guy on the phone there, I'm, a, um, I'm from the green half of Glasgow, so Alex broke my heart on more than one occasion when he had the blue strip on, so... A wee bit of revenge might be quite sweet, but uh, it's probably just good that I've not got Mr. Keevans, who's a bit of a sporting legend, so we'll see what happens. There we go, we've got a bit of a bit of rivalry. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get a bit of uh, Clyde 2 for Alex Ray. I'll see if you can give me a thumbs up. There we go, we are all good, and we will get going. You all good to go, Alan? I'll just uh, yes, read out indeed, the, the sort of rules, of course. 30 seconds, you can pass, remember, answer as quickly as possible. Is that all okay? Yeah, yeah, indeed, thanks. Let's go. Let's see how we do it. Let's go for it. Which country did Rangers sign Alfredo Morelos from? Finland. Celtic's Joey Dawson is the nephew of which professional footballer? Michael Dawson. How many goals has Lee Griffiths scored this season? Two. Which Premiership club did uh, Nathaniel Atkinson sign for last week? Pass. How many English Premier League teams did James McCarthy play for? Two. Who is top of Scottish League 2? Oh dear, Kelty Hearts. There we go, you got that one just in time. How do you think you got on? I don't know. It's how Alex gets on too, isn't it? I think I did okay. I'm not disgraced, so that's a good thing, I think. That's all right, we'll bring Alex back in. Alex, can you hear me all right? Good stuff, right? It probably helps if I turn your mic up as well, and we can hear you as well. Good stuff. (laughs) Right, uh, same questions to you, Alex. Go on then. Which country did Rangers sign Alfredo Morelos from? Finland. Celtic's Joey Dawson is the nephew of which professional footballer? Uh, oh, pass. How many goals has Lee Griffiths scored this season? Two. Which club did Nathaniel Atkinson sign for last week? Pass. How many English Premier League teams did James McCarthy play for? Two. Who is top of League Two? 
League 2 is Kelty Hearts Who has the most caps for the country Glenn Kamara or Borna Barisic Kamara Right So Alan now that you've heard Your competition How do you feel Do you know <laughs> We had a lot of the same answers are wrong. See, see if he's done me on that last one With a question about two Rangers players I think, I, I think I'll be called for a Sears inquiry Oh well Could be an appeals panel on the go oh, and all sorts. We'll, uh... We've had enough appeals <laughs> Right we'll go through them Which country did Rangers sign Alfredo Morelos from You both said Finland So that's one all at the start Celtics Joey Dawson is the nephew of which professional footballer I played against him Alex you passed that one It was at Notch Forest and Spurs I can't remember the boy Michael Dawson Michael Dawson Alan didn't play against him But he got it yeah. So that went 2-1 to Alan How many goals has Lee Griffiths scored this season? He scored two Both of them coming against Aberdeen You both got that So that goes 3-2 to Alan uh, Which Premiership club did Nathaniel Atkinson sign for last week? Australian signed for Do you know this one Hugh? Yeah Hearts Hearts it is indeed Neither of you got that one How many English Premier League teams did James McCarthy play for? You both said two You both got it wrong oh. Hugh? Three Correct Crystal Palace Everton And Wigan Who is top of Scottish League 2 You both got that one right Alex is one behind But he got an extra question Who has the most caps For the country Glenn Kamara or Borna Barisic 50-50 chance Alex (laughs) And he got the luck It is Glenn Kamara He's got 40 Borna Barisic has 23 (laughs) So that means we have a tiebreaker So what we'll do Alan Is I'll ask the question I'll get Hugh to write down his answer And uh, Sorry I'll get Alex to write down his answer Obviously And um, you can uh, tell me your answer And we'll see who is closest So for the teaser Including Sunday's League Cup Or sorry Last Sunday's League Cup How many domestic cups And titles Has James Forrest won In his career so far So you're unhappy That it was a Say that again How many uh, Domestic cups And league titles Has James Forrest won In his career so far So Alan was unhappy That uh, you got a Rangers question Here's here's Alan's question I'm going to say 11 You're saying 11 Alex is holding up 19 The answer is 21 Alex oh, not far man, off at Alex. all And Oh I, I do not know What that dance <laughs> Alex is doing I hope the cameras Catch that Because that was What do you call that The crab You were sort I of Moving from side is, to side I'm just happy I've got a win I've been having An absolute uh, Congratulations Alex oh, thanks. Imagine, it was a good imagine, game, me com- imagine me complaining About you getting A Rangers question And you beat me In a Celtic question <laughs> Yeah Listen he's had Such a remarkable uh, Career James Forrest Oh he has you know, After I said 11 I thought he had Three treble trebles So there's yeah. nine Before he kick a ball So uh, I've, I've, uh, Yes A worthy winner Alex well, uh, Stay safe mate You take care Andrew oh, hard lines you, You're too young to remember But that's the way Alex used to dance With Savoy <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I was never there for that That was, uh, that was horrendous I'm sure Surely girls were all walking In the opposite direction When those moves came out oh, I'm not, I'm not I was too busy dancing My missus <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Alan 01419511025 If you've got anything You want to talk about Of course Loads of games on yesterday There's the winter break Coming up The January transfer window And of course uh, Lots else to talk about James McPake wasn't happy with the SPFL Dundee had their request for their game yesterday uh, to be postponed they had that knocked back you looked at their bench they had two goalkeepers one of those goalkeepers was listed as an outfield player they had a 40 year old assistant manager on there who hadn't played in six years and a 17 year old Mm -hmm. Marvin Bartley who we know here at the show very well he was he was on Livingston's bench shoe and you know this has been happening all, all across the country on the one hand, I am entirely sympathetic uh, with regard to Dundee's case. 
to have a man who retired five years ago on the bench brings our game into disrepute. It makes us look daft. And we can't afford to descend into farce. And at the same time, we cannot afford to have matches materially influenced by how many players are left after the COVID victims have been counted. On the other hand, when the season started and clubs were told what would take place in the event of COVID cases, they should have spoken out at the time. We always discuss changing football to a summertime game in the wintertime when the bad weather's come along and matches are tumbling. The time to discuss summer football is in the summer and see if you can do something about it. But I'm very much afraid that this season, unless we get back to something like normal very quickly, we are going to spend more of our time talking about COVID-related matters than we are about football. Yeah, well, James McPake wasn't happy that their game went ahead. Here's what he had to say after their defeat. I don't think I'm annoyed. I'm worried. They've made a, a bad call. And we, we've got to get down the road now and, and hope that there's no backlash from this in terms of... I'm asking a, a lad to get in there to captain a team that's got a, a three-day-old daughter. Um, go back down to the daughter now bad bad decision making in a very troubling time in the world that, but look I felt for Jim Goodwin through the week and I know other managers in Dundee United have had to go into um, Jai Brox with a, with a very different team from what they would normally play as well and, and sometimes you go and you, you put up fights and you, you see a lot of character and we've seen that today but the way it's happened and I, can, I think I can openly speak about it because I've seen both sides of it and it's taken from probably the Thursday to the last thing Thursday morning when Charlie had it to almost midnight on the Friday night for me to know that Liam Fontaine was, was allowed to play and not classed as a close contact um, today was just a case of you're playing and that's it no matter what what today was about was com- completing utter lack of care for the well-being of a, a group of individuals that now have to go back to their families and back into that well today the SPFL have come out in response really to that, SPFL Company Secretary and Director of Operations Callum Beatty released a statement. He wanted to clear up a few what he called misconceptions about the background to the SPFL policy regarding games being postponed due to COVID cases. He said the new SPFL board policy for postponing games due to COVID-19 was introduced at the start of the season specifically to deal with the circumstances we find ourselves in before finalising the new policy. We consulted and listened to clubs carefully and incorporated specific elements such as a requirement to have a minimum of 10 players aged 18 or over before matches could proceed. The SPFL board policy was notified to all 42 clubs before the season started and provides certainty and consistency on the criteria for postponements. Hugh, you can kind of separate it two ways because you can look at it and you can say, look, you feel sorry for Dundee that they were put in that position. You feel sorry for St Mirren and any other clubs that are put in that position but the rules are there and the rules yeah. were agreed on at the start of the season. Clubs may not like it. It may look unfair now, but the clubs were consulted in it in the summer. Yeah, and we're not alone in this matter. You know, I look at what's happening in England at this particular time. Jurgen Klopp today saying that we have to go back to five substitutes to give uh, the players sufficient rest time so that the same guys are not being asked to play uh, several games in the space of seven or eight days. Uh, So we're not alone here. 
But we, we have to look after ourselves first and foremost. And I, I do take James McPake's point that you have a care of duty to players, but we're in a, a, an awful situation here whereby the players can have families, wives who work, children who go to school, and they are coming back in. There's no such thing as a bubble. It, it cannot exist because... Clubs can do all they can within the confines of their ground and their training facility. But when the players go back to their homes, who knows who gets affected by whom? So we're in a very dangerous situation. My only concern is that we're going to have matches influenced by COVID and not by football. And eventually someone is going to say this affects the integrity of the competition. And then the balloon has gone up. Alex, the statement goes on to say failure to administer the policy consistently could lead to clubs choosing not to fulfil specific fixtures which could have massive implications for sporting fairness, increase pressure on other clubs and threaten the ability to complete the season. We've seen games down south being postponed, a lot more games than up here, but that doesn't really matter. It's a case of all games up here being taken on a case-by-case basis and being dealt with the exact same rules. Yeah, the criteria has been set out in the summer, Andrew. You've just mentioned that there are 10 players over 18. Uh, yeah, they need to have 13 players available yeah. to fulfil the fixture. At least one goalkeeper and a minimum of a 10 of those players need to be aged 18 yeah. or over. So if you look at, if you just take the last week as an example, St Mirren, Dundee United and Dundee have all uh, kind of fallen into that category where they've had to call up young players who are playing in the, the, the lower leagues. Uh, so St Mirren had to do that last week. So you have real sympathy for them. Now, the rules are already set in place, Andrew. One of the issues that with throughout all this is that the optics don't look good. When you've got an assistant manager who hasn't played for five years sitting on the bench, you've got now Hugh mentioned down south there about five subs. They only had four on the on the, on the bench at the weekend. So this is a, how, how big their uh, their need was at the weekend. Uh, the problem they have is if they co- call a lot of games off going into the, the, the second part of the season there'll be a real danger that we do not fulfil the fixtures if you can't get these games played because it'll be such a backlog we only had two windows uh, prior to the decision to bring the, the winter uh, break forward uh, so that already takes into uh, to account that as well so there's no wriggle room we heard uh, Neil Doncaster say that the other day so if you start calling off all these games I'm not exactly sure with all this uh, uh, fixture uh, rescheduling would fall into place so the whole issue is a bit of a mess they're trying to do their best under really difficult circumstances and I have real sympathy for the clubs but the reason why you've not heard that uh, Rangers and Celtic is is because they've had so they've, they have massive squads that we mentioned earlier on but these squads carry you know limited numbers uh, and, and there is a real sympathy but you really have to crack on because otherwise we won't fulfil the, the fixtures next year Yeah Hugh it's not as if the SPFL are coming out and saying you know under no circumstances are we postponing any games. They're, they're saying we understand that the games may have to be postponed. We'd rather they weren't, but they have to have to meet this criteria that, that was agreed on. Yeah, and I don't know how we forecast how this turns out because how do we know what uh, position the country will be in when our circuit breaker comes to an end? Will crowds be allowed back in? Will a percentage of your capacity be allowed back in? Or... Will the COVID situation have worsened and matches are threatened and then you know what comes along then inevitably and ultimately there'll be a debate about calling the season early and I'm not sure that we as a country can go through that twice. I know we're speaking hypothetically here, Alex, but how much of a concern is that when the SPFL are saying 
there isn't really any available dates left for, yeah. for games to be slotted in. You look at the end of the season, not long after the, the final league games, Scotland have four international games in yeah. June. There'll be players flying all over the place, so it's, it's not as if the season can really be extended either. Yeah. No, no, as, as I just said earlier on, Andrew, there's no regular room for this. That was one of the, the things that I said prior to making this decision. You know, each club made the decision based on what their needs were. You know, some will be financial, some will be fan based, some will be injuries, some will be down to the bare bones that we've just mentioned with COVID issues. So each club have made that decision to bring this forward, which eats into these uh, two two spots next year. Uh, and for me, that was potentially a gamble when you had the opportunity to play them now, albeit it was behind closed doors. At least you have more room down the road because we just don't know what's coming. 01419511025. Now is the perfect time to call because we could be speaking to you next. Taking your calls on Scottish football. 0141-951-1025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Alex Ray and Hugh Keevans here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141-951-1025 if you want to get involved. Or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. I'll set up the full-time teaser for your first throw. And by the way, this is a, this is a tough one. Oh dear. This is a, a really tough one. This one's been sent in. By Scott If you want to hear your question Full time at Clyde1.com We want something like this This is uh, <laughs> setting you up here Name the nine players Who have scored two or, more, two or more goals On Boxing Day In the Scottish top flight Since 2012 Griffiths Lee Griffiths yep. No Boyd Chris Boyd 2013 for Kilmarnock Against Hearts Good start well, Abada did it yesterday Abada did do it yesterday You've got two Boyce Liam Boyce That's a very good one Liam Boyce 2015 a hat-trick He scored against Dundee for Ross County That's three out of nine So uh, I'll leave it there You've actually done better than I, <laughs> better than I thought Fair <laughs> enough But um, yeah we'll, we'll see how the how the rest goes after that um, Another talking point from over the weekend Tony Watt It's not confirmed yet But it looks as if he is on his way to Dundee United A pre-contract um, being signed there Moving from Motherwell Of course the league's yeah. Top goal scorer um, At this point It's always tough When a player signs A pre-contract Very early Isn't it Alex Because You then have that debate Does he move in January Does he play yeah. out The rest of the season At the club he's at Yeah I was I was something similar myself I got a, a bid Back in the day From uh, Blackburn And uh, it does It unsettles you And um Tony's obviously decided to go to Dundee United It's a three year contract Rumoured to be a three year contract uh, Obviously he will have an uplift in his wages uh, So I suppose that would be a big factor for him And uh, you know I, I like the fact that Tony Watt I think I like the fact that he has uh, He's shown this season You know he's been about so many clubs over the years And he seemed to have settled down But this is an opportunity for him to move again uh, And listen he'll be looking for the same uh, Kind of output that he uh, was doing with Motherwell Because he was well regarded there Obviously the Motherwell fans will be really disappointed That he's leaving potentially mid midway through a season Everyone's going on about how the Motherwell fans are reacting to Tony Watt And how Motherwell as a club are dealing with this situation What about Dundee United? You know they have gone right off the rails They, they are in danger of Going into free fall They have one win in their last 10 matches They could be doing with Consulting with Motherwell To see if there is the possibility of A deal being done That takes Tony Watt to Tannadice In the month of January Because they certainly need him Shoes are a start doing the rounds That Dundee United are the second lowest Goal scorers in the league 
Well, St Johnston are the, the bottom uh, They've scored, what, 11 goals all season long uh, Dundee United, if they are second bottom It's another reason why they should be getting a deal done For Tony Watt The situation as it stands at the moment Is unfair on Tony Watt Because his club are reluctant to play him He's the top goal scorer in the Premiership He has done his bit for Motherwell so far But the club are reluctant, clearly, to play him Because of the reaction of supporters The onus is on Dundee United to do something with this, I think For their own good Well, let's hear what Motherwell assistant Chris Lachetti Had to say about it after their game yesterday It's when the um, great three points against a tough opponent Um, You know, they've they've been picking up a lot of points recently um, so we knew it wasn't going to be an easy game um, But yeah, tremendous three points Tony didn't start Is that just down to everything that's happened in the last two or three days? Yeah, that's just down to us picking a, a, a side that we thought could get three points today You know, there's been situations with Tony But today was all about the team and, and we've got a good squad So when players do miss out We've got players that can come in And Connor Shields came in And, and as you've seen, put in a fantastic performance Is there a likelihood that he could go in January? There is a likelihood, but again, we'll have to wait and see on that. You know, there's nothing set in stone yet, so we'll we'll just keep working till 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 we know differently. Were you concerned his mind might be elsewhere today if you if you played him? Was that just in a bit? Um, that was it. Could have been, but we spoke to Tony and his his mind was fine. So again, we just picked a, a team to to get the three points. Well, Hugh is a Motherwell fan in Lanark. Hugh, what are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, good evening, guys, and Merry Christmas. Um, you too, Hugh. Merry Christmas, Hugh. Uh, yeah, just as obviously with uh, Hugh and that was saying there, I don't have an issue with players moving on. Uh, I never have had have had any issues with players moving on. Uh, Alec will know, so will Hugh and yourself, Andrew, that it's a short career, as we keep on saying over the years. We've lost, in my opinion, better players than Tony Watt. I, Louis Moult was a, a far better striker, I think, who proved it went down south. I don't have an issue. The only thing is, I don't think he's going to improve going to Dundee United. I don't think they're a better team than us. And I think the lead position proves that at the minute. So that's the only disappointing thing. Uh, and I think that's belating what it's actually getting to some Mullow fans. I don't agree with booing him. I don't get why you want to boo you. At the end of the day, he's still employed with us at this moment in time. Now, I have heard in the background that the deal's already getting done in the first week in January. It's running about the £250,000, £300,000 mark. Which is which is great for us. His contract ends in May. Why not take the money for him now? Uh, we have got a striker coming in from uh, the Irish league. He's only a young boy, but um, so that's a potential. I like the idea of Shields because Shields puts in the same sort of work rate as Tony Watt. I'm not saying he's as good as Tony Watt, but he's got potential to be as good as Tony Watt. Um, so I, I don't have an issue. Yes, we do need to probably another two strikers. I think in mainly for the cover. But Tony Watt moving on. I don't. Don't think he's improving himself going to Dundee United. Who was right? Dundee United need a striker now because they are the second low scorers in, in the league. So it's all about Mullow for me, and that's what I keep on saying on Twitter with the fans and things like that. Don't worry about Tony Watt. Worry about your own club. Just concentrate on what Mullow we're doing. If we sell him, fine, we'll get money for him. If he wants to stay in jail until January, uh, and sorry, until the end of the season, let him stay until the end of the season. But I don't think he'll get much game time because I think we need to see ourselves as a team. Uh, improve and obviously finish the season on a highly I'll put that here to Hugh in the studio Hugh on the phone is, is talking about a potential fee we have no idea what, what the figures are that are being banded about whether a, a deal is close to being done Hugh but that's the big dilemma really isn't it for Motherwell whether 
you take any potential money that may come in in January and, and straight away you can you can strengthen and replace them or do you take the gamble and hope that the Tony Watt you had in the first half of the season is going to replicate that form in the second half of the season and is that you know worth more than the money Dundee United uh, could be offering? Well, if it was me, I would take the money uh, because <laughs> you don't need any distractions about the place and if the Motherwell fans are going on about Tony Watt it becomes an unnecessary, unwanted distraction. With the greatest respect to Hugh, he's saying that uh, why would you go to Dundee United they're not as good as Motherwell. That's Tony Watt's affair. If he wants to go to another employee, that's his affair. Uh, whether he believes that Dundee United are potentially better than Motherwell, I would not pretend to know. But if he wants to go there, that's his business. But what I would say is that Motherwell have had a terrific first half of the season. They had another good result yesterday. They don't need this distraction of Tony Watt lingering in the background. And if Hugh is right with regard to the money, two or three hundred thousand pounds, then I'm sure Motherwell could use the money. I would expect uh, Motherwell to bite the handoff at that if you look at the league positions because it could be the difference if, if they were willing to pay as he says, two or three hundred thousand pounds for seventh positions but round about one point four million. Uh, for fourth position where Motherwell currently are is 1.8 so it may well be worth a gamble for Dundee United to try and get that and plus you have the, the value of that player uh, whether they decide to keep him beyond that you know sometimes you just want to cut uh, you know your ties with someone who's already committed to somewhere else you you then have to play against them do you play them do you not play against them so uh, these are factors that the, the management team and then I would imagine depending who you can bring in the building Hughes obviously mentioned a couple of players there potentially coming in. That would free up a, a you know a, 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 the spot to let him go. No matter how professional a player is, how tough is that situation where you're playing for one club, but in the same league you could be playing against a team that is your future employer and there's a lot on the yeah. line. Not not that anyone would want to go out and you know consciously uh, down tools exactly, but. In a situation where you, you've got so much to think about, you, you're not going to have a clear head, are you? For for me, it really boils down to the individual, Andrew. You know, uh, towards the end of my Wolves stint, I didn't play a lot uh, after I told the manager I'd signed a pre-contract. And prior to the signing the pre-contract, he says, you're the future of the club, we're going to try and get your contract and all that. So things change quickly, and I think that's one of the reasons why guys like Tony Watt want to get things uh, kind of signed, sealed and delivered so he knows where his future is. Hugh, is there a disappointment that you know Tony Watt really seemed to have found a home at Motherwell? The, the fans had really taken to him. It, it was all starting to click, and then as soon as that happens, you know he, he's off. I, I think that's the thing that's actually getting to all fans because if you go and look at some of his tweets, he's actually put out and his messages on social media. Um, he loves the club. He loves the area. He's settled and things like that. So I, I think that's what's getting to the fans. Um, and just to obviously reply to Hugh, I didn't mean that. Mullow's a bigger club in Dundee United I just thought at this moment in time in Tony Watt's career moving to Dundee United he's not going to improve um, but yeah I don't actually think that I don't want to see him leave obviously we don't but again short career move on it's like if I got offered another position with another job that's offered me 500 pounds a week I would go of course you would you'd be stupid not to go so that's why I don't have an issue with players actually moving on um, Just I just hope he does it quickly well both clubs and the player does it quickly so we can then move on as a club because I don't think Graham Alexander will be one that will want to sit back and just see what happens with Tony Watt and hope he stays and things like that move on just now you'd want to sign the pre-contract well, you've allegedly signed the pre-contract 
So move on just now um, and just best wishes to him. Just don't score against us because you will. Then you will get booed. Well, you know, it's a cynical old world oh, football. Tell us about it. You know, football clubs, Alec, will will free players. You know, just yeah. value that. That's you. That's your uh, employment terminated here. But you know, you don't tend to get supporters saying. Writing into the club or telephoning the club and saying that that's a shame freeing him after all he did for us. So Tony Watts done his bit. He came to Motherwell. Yeah, he found a place, and he scored goals and he enjoyed himself. But if there comes a time when it's in his best interest to go somewhere else, then it's professional football with the emphasis on your profession, your choices in life, and he has made his choice. I just think that Dundee United for purely practical reasons would be better off getting him on board right now because at the rate at which they are falling down the league table they'll be in among the relegation threatened if they're not careful If he goes to Dundee United I can give Tony a little bit of advice here uh, whatever he does if he scores against Motherwell do not run towards the <laughs> Motherwell fans giving it plenty I did that uh, against my old team Millwall <laughs> about two Mill- thousand, Millwall two, of all clubs <laughs> two, of all clubs 2,000 of them trying to go over a wall to get to me so it's not advisable that's my advice to Tony No, not the, not the most wise decision I, 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 I was, was just pure emotion 90 second winner Andrew Hugh on the line you look at Kevin Van Veen, the form he's in a couple of goals yesterday. Does that soften the blow slightly when you've got another player in the team that that's you know capable of of leading the line, scoring goals? Well, I, I think that may one of one of their answers they had in the teaser because um, <laughs> uh, he's obviously scored the brace yesterday. Uh, I just think Van Veen. I think if he plays through the middle, is a far better player than what he does out wide. Because I think you take him out of the equation out wide. So, yeah, but the only thing that I've got concerns with Van Veen is he's 100% committed in the game, which is brilliant. But it goes that little bit extra, so he gets silly bookings. So his suspensions might build up, and that's what they can't have. So that's the only thing I've got with Van Veen. But I don't want to take that animal out of him, if you know what I mean. I want to keep that in him where he, he needs to win the ball and things like that. Uh, I've just got a quick point about Alec, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, um, go for it. Um, it's just a, it's just a laugh, Alec. I, I seen somebody posting a picture on you on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or something. Yes. Uh, I think you look more like the, the dairy milk man or the milk tray man coming in. <laughs> Never mind the one you say. <laughs> they pull, they pull the eggs are going to come back. You believe me? I'm wearing one. Uh, Shogs got one on tonight. I'm just trying to follow the old boy. <laughs> I tell you what, Hugh on the line was doing so well until he gave away one of the answers. Well, I've actually written it down. Oh, I've heard it all before. We've heard it all before. I saw you scribbling that down quickly. <laughs> So there we go Give us it And I'll take it so off Shog you take this uh, I've already got a couple Kevin Van Veen There we go There you go You've got four of nine Thank you to Hugh In Motherwell 01419511025 We'll take another call as well Brian is a Celtic fan In Barhead Brian what's on your mind tonight? Uh, it was really Celtic's transfer policy At the moment I know that they're uh, Strengthening their attack In midfield But I really think They should also be looking for a big centre half. I just wondered what the panel would think about that. First of all, they have a one major problem with uh, Cameron Carter Vickers because the money that Spurs are looking for, uh, I've read estimates of anything between six and ten million pounds. Now Carter Vickers, to his credit, has been solid and consistent for Celtic, and I'd imagine that supporters want him to stay. Starfelt has not been solid and not been consistent. Uh, 
and they do need cover. Uh, I, I do understand that Christopher Julian will come back, but he'll take a while. He's been out of football for a year. He'll take a while to get up to speed. Um, Starfelt, for me, is a concern. Uh, they do need cover in that department. Uh, Brian's absolutely correct there. Uh, and that's one area that will have to be looked at. I say, up front, you need to have an alternative solution to Furuhashi because you can't have this situation repeating itself where Furuhashi misses a game and no one really thinks that Celtic will win because of that. Giacomakis, we, there's no one can say whether he's good, bad or indifferent because he's had a couple of games, he scored a goal, missed a penalty and the rest of the time he's been injured. So no one can have a hard and fast opinion on Giacomakis. And at the back, you have to be careful. Julian will be a while. Carter Vickers is solid, but are Celtic willing to pay that amount of money? And Starfelt, they need cover because he is not reliable. Well, there, were, there was quotes last week, I think, from Ange Postacoglu talking specifically about um, Cameron Vickers. Carter Vickers. And he said it, it is a deal they're interested in. It was one that they were thinking about doing permanently in the summer, but yeah. it, was, it was late in the window that they have to shift players out. So a loan deal at that point looked more likely. But he said, you know, he, he was brought in yeah. with a view to get him on a permanent deal. It looks as if that's something Celtic yeah. are wanting to tie up. Is is that a good bit of mystery? It's hard, it's hard to tell. We've seen varying figures, whether it's six, whether it's closer to ten, we're, we're not so sure. Well, what I've seen so far, uh, you would most certainly sign him. He looked very solid, very reliable. Uh, again, it just boils down to the price, whatever they can negotiate. And uh, I think if they could get that done, Andrew, I think it'd be a good piece of business. I agree with you. I think Starfelt, you know, he's... He's had a few moments where he has cost the back line. Doesn't look as solid, and you obviously they've uh, made a major investment in this guy, so he will get the time. You've also got Julian to come back. I agree with you. A, a year out is a long time to try and get back up to speed. Beaton can quite easily step in at the back as well. You've got young Welsh who's done relatively well, better than I thought he would have done uh, at the beginning. So you've you've literally got five guys. They're all being ones out. Potentially you might need another left back, you know, because of uh, you've got Taylor. Uh, and then obviously Bollingall is going to get shipped out of the building sooner rather than later and then I agree with you you probably definitely need a, a striker because anything happens to Kyogo at the turn of the year then you're, you're really kind of struggling Brian is there any defenders that, that you've got your eye on that you'd like Celtic to sign? Everybody talking about Lewis Ferguson last uh, last week that they wanted him for Christmas well I want the boy Shooter from Hearts for uh, New Year I mean, he wouldn't break the bank, uh, according to the well, what I've read in the papers, and he would be a commanding big centre half that wouldn't get pushed about the way that uh, you no know, uh, Starfield. What do you call it? Starfield does? You know, I really think that he's cost us. He could have cost us dearly yesterday. He cost us in the League Cup final. He gets sent off at Ross County. I just don't think the guy's up. I never thought he's up to it, actually, to be honest, since he came in. And I think they need another strong... I think they need a big centre-half. I think the lack of height in Celtic's uh, defence is costing us. John Suter, certainly if Celtic do have an interest in him, they won't be the only club, yeah. it's safe to say. Go on, Hugh. Here's another thing. Yota, £6.5 million. Pounds. Cameron Carter-Vickers... Anywhere between six and ten million pounds. John Souter, Scotland International, he won't be allowed to go on the cheap. Now we're in a situation here in this country 
Where we don't know If football is going to come back With crowds Or minus crowds If it's minus crowds Clubs continue to suffer Very heavy financial losses Celtic are therefore Left with a potential dilemma Of players who Theoretically could cost you Close to £20 million At a time when you've got no money coming in How do you resolve that? Well thank you to Brian We'll finish off the full time teaser next Number one for football in Glasgow and the West 0141-951-1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Alex Ray and Hugh Keevans here with me Andrew McLean in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard 0141-951-1025 If you want to get involved we'll have a look at this full-time teaser shall we? You've got four of nine so far Name the nine players who have scored two or more goals on Boxing Day since 2012 You've got Leal Abada who of course scored yesterday You've got Liam Boyce Chris Boyce and with the help of Motherwell fan Hugh on the line, we you've got Kevin anyway. Van Veen as well. We anyway. I'm not so convinced. What about Dembele? Mr. Dembele? No. Edward. Odson Edward? No. Michael Higdon? Michael Higdon? Nope. Stokes? Anthony Stokes? No. Louis Moult? This is not going well. No. <laughs> Eddie May? Stevie May. That would be quite impressive any time from 2012 onwards. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, the only other one I have is Steve McLean. Steve McLean, no. Mackay, up at. Uh, I'm thinking the other strikers here. No, no. Tavernier. James Tavernier, no. I'm going to have to start giving out some Morelos. clues soon. Alfredo Morelos, no. I'll take one more guess each. Lyndon Dykes. Lyndon Dykes is a no. Alex? Samaras. Samaras, no. Right. I'll give a couple Hooper. of. Uh, Gary Hooper No So There was one in 2019 It was an Edinburgh derby uh, Naismith Boyce nope. Martin Boyle There we go Martin oh. Boyle Martin Boyle There we go So you've got Five Five out of nine Five out of nine That's alright We'll continue with that We'll go to the phone lines 01419511025 <laughs> Laurie is up next In Deniston Laurie what are your thoughts? Hey panel Good evening Hi Laurie Hi. Can I just thank, just wish rather everybody in the studio uh, all the best of the festive season. Same to you, Laurie. Yep. I now uh, I just think it's time for me to pause for reflection over the first half of the season. Uh, I'll take myself back to August when I phoned up the studio, and I had uh, indicated that I felt that this was going to be a season of transition for Celtic. I, and anything perhaps that was going to be won in terms of silverware was likely to be a bonus. I, I see nothing to, to make me change my mind regarding that. I, Twelve players were now pretty much the same number have come in. I, I know I've won the League Cup. That is welcome. I, Stephen Gerrard, I, I had to wait until nine trophy attempts before he could record his first success in terms of silverware. So, I'm quite pleased about that. However, I, I'm not going to delude myself. What concerns me about Celtic is, and, and in all pr- probability, I'm likely to be in the minority here, but you know, I couldn't care less because whenever I phone the programme, I don't attempt to ingratiate myself or to curry favour where people are to toe the company line. I tell it as I see it. And my concern is that uh, all too often this season, I've saw Celtic dropping points. Uh, and I attribute it to the world one fashion in which they play. 
Uh, and also the methodology of Ange Pussikoglu. Uh, he is quite unrepentant uh, about his, his style. Uh, you know, I heard him the other day they are saying uh, quite unapologetically it won't change. Uh, if players want to rest, they'll wait until they're 45. Uh, I've saw Celtic uh, wasting opportunities this season uh, because they're playing at a hurried and frenzied pace. Uh, there's no creativity. They try and ride roughshod over the, oppos- the opposition. Uh, try and uh, roll them over. Uh, and to me, that's that's not how the, the game should be played. I don't like to argue with men from Benison as a rule. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I would take issue with you, Laurie, insofar as uh, three points dropped at Livingston. By and large, due to a defensive mistake by Stephen Welsh, who's young, and I'm not blaming him. Uh, He is young and will learn by his mistakes. But by and large, his mistake, three points lost. Then Livingston came to Celtic Park and Celtic had a penalty kick and the wrong penalty kick Taker was chosen and Giacomacus missed the penalty kick and so Celtic dropped another two points. And then we go to Paisley when Celtic had all the chances in the world helped by their style of play. They had all the chances and couldn't take one of them and another two points were dropped. So I don't think it's about the whirlwind fashion because the whirlwind fashion was good enough to take six off St Mirren at Celtic Park, good enough to take six off Dundee at Celtic Park, good enough to take care of Hibs at Easter Road and so on and so forth I don't think it's a style of play I think it's inconsistency individual error and they got away with it in the League Cup final because Starfelt was full of individual errors but Furuhashi was there and he was the game changer on the day Alex you speak to many yeah. Celtic fans and the one thing that they would say they, they love, love about Ange Postacoglu yeah. is his style of play and the fact that you know as Laurie described it, it's it's a whirlwind. It's it's all systems go for for ninety minutes. Yeah. What what do you feel is 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 the reason behind some of the drop points? Ange Postecoglou has, has said quite a few times this season that it's it's just not been ruthless enough in the yeah. final third. Well, listen, if you, if you take the St Mirren games, the most recent one last week, it was partly down to poor finishing. You know, they created a f- numerous chances. Uh, the Livingston game as well, they have so much of the possession. I actually think the style of play has been. Uh, Pretty good I think when you look at uh, The Celtic following You know I've got mates Who go to the game On a regular basis They're really encouraged They like to see it Sometimes it's not Bearing fruit You know you look at Livingston You look at St Mirren You know you go back To the Rangers game I, yeah, Big Ange held his hands up To say that you know His personnel change You know playing Kyogo on the left hand side In hindsight was the wrong thing to do So there's been one or two things Where he could Quite easily have got uh, better but in terms of the style, you know, dominating teams and things, I, I don't think they're rough shot them at all. I think they're actually dominating games, and I think that's what you would expect because of the level of player that Celtic have. And they've just not managed to do it against St Mirren and Livingston most recently. And then obviously the gaps come back to six. So I can see a frustration with, with one or two Celtic fans. But in the main, I think most of them are relatively happy. Laurie, you talked about the points Celtic have dropped this season, but you also said you felt this was a, a season of transition for Celtic that any silverware would be a bonus the fact that Ange Postacoglu has, has won a trophy there's only six points in it in the title race are, are Celtic not better off than where you thought they would be so far in this campaign? Well Andrew uh, you know I, I'm listening to Hugh there uh, trying to play two ends to the middle 
He's taking me to task about my observations. He's the same man at the weekend who said that Rangers uh, would increase their plurality over Celtic by more than six points. And I, I stand by that. I believe that Rangers will win the league and by more than six points. Yeah, what, absolutely. What, what I've said so to I'm you, Laurie, was I gave you, you examples. No, but I gave uh, you factual examples. I gave you factual today, examples, Laurie. You're not listening. I gave you factual examples on three different games where Celtic's whirlwind style of play was not responsible for points dropped. It was a defensive mistake at Livingston. It was a penalty kick missed against Livingston at Celtic Park. And it was the whirlwind style that should have swept St Mirren off the park in Paisley last Wednesday, but for the fact that Celtic couldn't have hit a barn door on the night. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Hugh, but that doesn't cut it with me. Celtic have failed to break down stubborn defences because of, of a lack of creativity. So we agree you disagree, pal. Except that you're wrong. <laughs> Final word to you, Laurie. Right, cheers. Take care, thank you. There we go. Never a, never a dull moment, is there? Not at all. Thank you to Laurie. I think that's the final call that we'll take. On that one, we've still got a, a bit of work to do on this teaser as well. It was named the nine players who have scored two or more goals on Boxing Day since 2012. Now, that was, of course, asked because Liel Abada and Kevin Van Veen did that yesterday. You both uh, got that. Martin Boyle, Liam Boyce and Chris Boyd. So you've still got four to go. El Yunusi. Mohamed El Yunusi, no. Oh. Cosgrove. Sam Cosgrove, no. Oof. Um. <sighs> Rooney, Adam Rooney. Adam Rooney is not one of them. They're all they're all pretty recognisable names, I would say. They're all pretty high profile in, in terms of Scottish Joey football. Barton. Joey Barton. Yeah, no Joey Barton. Joey. <laughs> I was thinking that was Joey a strange guess. Uh, no, not Joe Garner. Is there is there someone of that? Either? There is no more Rangers players on the list. Right, okay, you get a any more Celtic players? There is one more Celtic player. James yes. Forrest. Not James Forrest. Callum Tw- McGregor. No, twenty eighteen. Who was Sinclair. scoring a lot? Scott Sinclair. Yeah, Correct, we get there that. we go So we have three more to go I believe, three more right, to okay. go 2015, 2013 and 2012 2012 uh, So you're going back to Did you say another Celtic player there? Uh, no, there is a Dundee player A St Mirren player and a Motherwell player 2012 you um, 2015, Dundee A man that had a brilliant season for them In the top flight uh, Around that era Came through the youth ranks at Rangers. Kane Hemmings. Kane Hemmings. Wow. There we go. That's great a great shout, shout from you. Shug. 2013, uh, St Mirren. Who do you think of? Strikers, was, St Mirren. Was, uh, the foreign guy, wasn't it? It was not. Billy, Billy Mehmet? No. No. Uh, Thompson? Yes. Tomo. Stephen Thompson. There we go. Too? Yeah, yeah. St Mirren against Dundee United in 2013. You've got one more to go. 2012 scored... Two for Motherwell against Aberdeen. Still playing in the top flight. Motherwell. Come on, Chug. Would have been a, a winger, young winger at that point. Still is a winger. Oh, uh, scored yesterday as well. <laughs> Give us a team. You're running out of time. Plays for Hibs. Uh, it's Jamie Murphy. Murphy I'm not Murphy. giving you it. 
Uh, tomorrow it's Gordon Duncan is back Roger Hanna and Gordon DL as well uh, Stick around because Cassie's up next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Call Robert Accident Repair Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year